Get back in control with Off the Wagon, adventures in emotional eating, health, and weight loss. Each episode containing fork-sized mindset tweaks, perspective shifts, and lifestyle hacks to get you back on the wagon. Whether it's habit change, emotional eating, addictions, weight loss, willpower, or relationships, there's something here for you. So let's get on the wagon and get down the road to your goals with me, Christy R. Hall. Welcome to episode 39, where today we're talking about momentum, how it's different than motivation, how it helps you on your path, and finally, how to get some. You probably understand motivation intimately. Motivation is that acute pain point that makes you finally get off your hiney and decide to do something like drink more water or read more books or finally sign up for a class at the Learning Annex or even try to lose five pounds or master your eating habits. Motivation is an interesting mixture of both pain from your current state of existence mixed with a pleasure and excitement over the possibilities of your new and future you. Motivation is the little red ignition head on a matchstick. It's what starts the fire. But motivation is not what keeps a fire going. Fuel, the wood of the matchstick itself, that's what keeps the fire moving along from point A, the match head, to point B, the end of the stick. The actual stick in this metaphor is momentum. And it's the little everyday things that we do. The everyday attention and focus and building of new habits and neural pathways in an attempt to short-circuit our old pathways of eating emotionally or sabotaging our health initiatives that is this momentum. So motivation is what gets us started. And I'm sure you've heard the end to the quote that habit is what keeps you going. And while that's true... Habit can only keep you going if it is indeed a habit. So what the heck are you supposed to do when it's not a freaking habit yet? And I know that they tell us that it only takes 21 days to build a habit. But I'm telling you here and now that that truth is a lie. And it's not even really based on habit building. So, little side trip here. There was this Dr. Maltz who did some research on people having major body modification surgery like facial reconstruction, plastic surgery, and limb amputation. And he found that it took a minimum of 21 days for people to adjust or get used to seeing their new face or not having a limb. But his observation was extrapolated out to this myth that is now purported in blogs all over the internet and subsequently making you feel like a total failure for not being able to establish a habit of health in 21 days or less. But in 2009, the University College London did a study to find out how long it actually does take to build a habit. And there were some interesting things that came out of the study. Number one, The average time it takes is 66 days. Number two, some people took as long as 254 days. 
so there's still hope. Number three, some habits were picked up quicker than others. Number four, missing a single day didn't really reduce the chance of forming a new habit. So slip-ups aren't really that big of a deal. So if you're going to be putting effort towards building these new coping skills and behavioral habits for 66 or even 254 or even more days, how can we make it more likely that you'll do it? More likely that you'll succeed? How can we make it easier to do? Easier to remember to do? Are you picking up what I'm putting down here? Momentum is an incredibly powerful force. You've heard of Newton's first law, which is the law of inertia. And what is inertia? Basically, momentum. The tendency to continue going in the same direction unless compelled to change state. Or in layman's terms, an object in motion tends to stay in motion. You can see it in nature, But you can also use the same principles in your own life. So let's nurture some motion. How can we build momentum? Actually, there are a couple of ways. So let's talk about something that's very basic in life, but so many of us struggle to do, right? Floss our teeth. Now, let's say you want to become a daily flosser. And it's a tiny little habit. It doesn't take all that much time or effort to complete. In an effort to get it done, you can put a, post a note on your bathroom mirror. You can set reminders in your phone. You put it on a to-do list and make it one of your frogs for the day. You make it a priority so that no matter what, before you go to bed, you get your teeth flossed. Within days, you'll notice you're more proud of yourself. You realize that it's not all that difficult An extra minute tacked on to your morning or evening ritual and all of a sudden you're more successful. You're successfully creating a health habit. You're creating momentum. And you find you don't want to break that success chain or your winning streak. The next day, you're less likely to skip it because you've already created this little pressure in your brain that says, Go me! Let's do it again. Because your brain likes the positive feelings you get from even the small successes, especially in the beginning when you previously struggled to get the habit going. And this same concept can work for eliminating something. If you give yourself a positive reinforcement for cutting back on sugar intake or reducing your diet sodas, you can create a chain of successes that you become less likely to break. And the key to this method is tracking, of course. You can use a calendar or bullet journal or whatever makes sense to you. In fact, there are several apps specifically designed for tracking successes and making sure that you don't break the chain. And not breaking the chain creates positive pressure. You start building momentum in your life with all of these positive habits that you want to create. Simply by forcing yourself to execute on it, a small number of times, creating that success. Now, it could be something like going to the gym or beginning a walking program. You pick something and you start small. 
super small. Like step one is putting on your shoes and not going anywhere. And it might be because you may not have shoes to walk in, looking up a local store where you can go and try on a few pairs. Those small baby steps count towards your overall success. And if you stay focused on those little steps and every day you progress, pretty soon you'll be walking or jogging or running a marathon if that's what you want to do. It's about creating some sort of momentum and then allowing the power of that momentum to take over and over and over and over. This is why priorities are so important. When you pick a priority number one and you complete it, you set yourself up for a momentum of productivity so that the rest of the items on your task list, on your priority list, are going to be far easier to complete because you are now in an energy or a flow of momentum that you yourself magically on purpose deliberately right manifested created knowing that this is going to impact your life this is what you wanted the problem is that when we're talking about health and emotional eating and weight loss they're all so interwoven that it becomes hard to determine what should be a priority number one I've found that it's helpful to chunk my goals down into smaller pieces. Not only does this work great for making large goals smaller and more manageable, but it can help you make progress on several different fronts without getting severely overwhelmed. Because we all know that overwhelm is a key component to self-sabotage. So let's say we're talking about something like losing weight, which I know is a lot of folks' main concern. That is a huge umbrella, right? I mean, there's maybe some dietary issues, some lifestyle issues, uh, maybe some cravings and addiction management that needs to happen, maybe even some self-love, compassion, body image work, and that's not even addressing any biological or health-specific issues or anything like that. And while you're taking care of all of that, you're going to learn some brand new non-eating coping skills and mechanisms. I mean, even as I'm saying it, it sounds overwhelming. And we don't want to do that. I mean, we don't want to do that to ourselves because it's just undue torture. But we don't want to do that to our loved ones either because um, we love them and we want them to continue to love us. So we break it down, divide it up. And so... What have we got here? We've got we've got some food things like dietary issues, cravings and addiction issues, and that can be one area. And we've got some lifestyle stuff, which can maybe be um, fitness and movement if that's something that you think needs work. And then we've got some what you might call um, emotional, psychological, or even some inner work, right? Which is around our self worth our enoughness and our value, right? What we're willing to do to and for ourselves. Now, to me, even as I've broken it down into these three pieces, it feels a little bit more manageable to me. And you can break it down into even more, although don't break it down so much that you create overwhelm again with quantity, right? Because there are at least two ways that we create overwhelm for ourselves with problems. And it's either with the bigness of the problem or with the quantity 
of the problems. So the way to keep from paralyzing yourself is to chunk it up or down just enough to make it manageable. When you have pieces that feel manageable, you can break those down into phases. I mean, if you have real health issues, let's say you have high blood pressure or diabetes or cancer, those should probably be high priority number one issues. Running a marathon should be lower down on your list. Because truth is, as you work on getting your blood pressure down or lowering your A1C, you're going to be touching on those other areas of your life. And the same thing goes for fitness. You may decide that, you know what? Fitness is a phase two or a phase three priority. Right now, it's more important to deal with these intense sugar cravings that you get every day because you figure if you could keep from having the sugar rush, you could probably keep from having the sugar crash. And that might mean you might have energy to listen to an uplifting TED talk or go for a walk or spend 15 minutes planning your meals. So that's what I'm suggesting you do right now. If you want to put this momentum building idea into play, right? Get some momentum going in your life and start making progress right now. Sit down and write down what it is that you want to accomplish, no matter how big, grandiose, and overarching it is, right? You write, you write down at the top of your piece of paper, I want to be awesome, right? Then break it down. Define the steps. What does that actually look like? Then start grouping like with like. And don't get too bogged down in it because there's going to be some overlap and that part isn't important, right? Things that you decide are, you know, only important for phase two, you may end up working on accidentally in phase one. You may also work on accidentally in phase three. It's not that important. The important part is to boil it all down to a handful, one to maybe three things or areas that you're going to work on with a single, small, actionable step in each one, right? Pick a small habit, something that you can implement starting today, something you can check off on a list or track so you can start building those successes right now, building that momentum, moving you further down the road towards your goals. Okay, I hope this has been helpful for you today. If you have any questions or concerns or just want to talk to me about how best you can um, chunk up or chunk down your goals, I would love to talk to you. You can find me on Facebook at fb.me forward slash coach Christy R. Hall or at my website www.christyrhall.com. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you soon.